This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Virginia only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 532 3500. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. This is not a regular player, this is not a pretty good quarterback. This is an all time great. Is he? A strange bird off the field. He's a little nuts, I think. Okay? That's his deal. Is he really weird? Yeah. You don't have to hang out with him. You just have to put on your Jet jersey, go to the stadium, and watch him do his thing, which is move the Jets down the field and into the end zone, which is something you have not had in years. Subscribe to the Mike Francesa podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. It's the Mike Mussinelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to the Mike Mussinelli Podcast. This is podcast number 28. We're doing it on Thursday, December 1st, and it's brought to us, of course, by the great people at Bet Rivers. Don't forget to download that Bet Rivers app. It's real easy to download. It's great to use, uh, very accessible. Get your bets in for the World Cup, for the NFL weekend of football, for college football, or a big weekend in college football. And uh, one question as far as uh, you downloading that app and betting is it a violation to bet the Orange, Netherlands, the higher seeded team in the World Cup? We'll get to that later. You're trying to make money. I think, you know, I don't know. Nationalism versus making money. We'll discuss that in a bit. We'll have Tim McManus from ESPN.com on. First time on the podcast. Tim, a great buddy. And uh, he, of course, covers the Eagles for ESPN.com. And he'll provide some insights on uh, this game coming up. That's right. This is our main subject today. It is the Titans versus the Eagles. The Titans 7-4. and four, The Eagles 10-1. and one. The Eagles are a minus 5 in this game. I don't like that number five. I'll explain in a little bit. But in this game, how about the broadcasters? We got the A-team, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson. Now, uh, personally, I think Greg Olson talks a little too much, but, but he's not bad starting in there. And, of course, Aaron Andrews on the sideline. Um, you know, listen, I, I think Aaron gets a little too chummy at times. But, boy, she's looking better than ever. So uh, I've, I've got no problems with Aaron Andrews on the sidelines. The A-team for the Titans and the Eagles. All right, let's talk about the game. The key elements of this game. Will the Eagles be able to curtail Derrick Henry? Now, obviously, this is the weakest part of the Eagles. The run defense are allowing 4.6 yards per carry this season. And that's not good. Now, uh, Derrick Henry's a beast. He's averaging uh, 95 rushing yards per game. However... Last week, only 38 on 17 carries against the Bengals. And in the last three games, only 3.2 per carry for Derrick Henry. Because the, the focus always when you play the Titans is to stop Derrick Henry, which means the quarterback has been loosened up a little bit. And when the Eagles use a five-man front, they're pretty good against the rush. I, I assume that they'll do a lot of that in this game against Derrick Henry. However, 
Ryan Tannehill's on a roll. Now, he threw for 291 last week and a loss to the Bengals. But that's his third straight game with 255 yards or more passing. And he's got a couple of decent receivers that are kind of under the radar. Well, Robert Woods is not under the radar. He's been their leading receiver. But their first-round draft pick, Traylon Burks, the first-round draft pick out of Arkansas, they they get they drafted him because he's a bigger receiver, and they knew they were going to get rid of A.J. Brown. Uh, so A.J. come to the Eagles, and this is the guy that was younger and cheaper that was supposed to be the, the working man's uh, A.J. Brown. Uh, so you got to watch out for him. Now, uh, of course, uh, I, I, did I mention it's the first game for A.J. Brown against his old team? And, and even though he's in a better place, you know, there's something about – getting traded by a team, and then you play them. And you got a little extra incentive. You want to bust them up a little bit. You want to show the coach that you were more worthy than they thought. You want to show that owner that you were more worthy than they thought. It's kind of like me wanting to wanting to bust up 97.5 The Fanatic. But that's another subject, and I digress. All right. Meanwhile, the Eagles, they just last week tinkled on the Packers. They, they lifted their leg like, you know, uh, it was a fire hydrant. Uh, out there, and they just buried him running the football. Uh, 363 yards rushing last week, 157 for Jalen Hurts, who I believe right now is the front runner for MVP in the league. I, I don't know if, if you could choose anybody else over him. This has been the most miraculous thing I've ever seen. I came into the season saying I needed more. I needed to see more from the kid. I wasn't quite sold yet. Fast forward that. He's an MVP candidate. So I, I guess he showed me how worthy he is as a quarterback. And I don't admit, uh, 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 mind admit when I'm wrong. It, it happens so infrequently that when I am wrong, I have to kind of take inventory. It happens, it's like a meteor. It happens like once every four years, possibly, where I'm actually wrong. Uh, but anyway, um, it, it was a joke what they did to the Packers. They just ran through them 143 yards, two touchdowns from Miles Sanders. Uh, so it's really interesting to see what they will do this week against the Titans, what their attack will be offensively. Now, the Titans against the run, they're not bad. 3.8 yards per carry to running backs this year. Of course, that's taking account the, the quarterback who runs. And, you know, he ran 17 times last week. And I'm not so sure that's a good idea for him to run 17 times again against one of the best defenses in the league. Versus quarterbacks running the football, they're not bad either. Now, there's not a lot of quarterbacks in the league that run the football like Jalen Hurts, but they hold quarterbacks running the football to 4.0 yards per carry. They have played against Josh Allen and Daniel Jones, two quarterbacks that like to run. So that's a decent stat in their favor. All right, let's look at Jalen passing the ball now because everything was so dominated with him running the football. Passing, 105 rating this year. 12.0 yards per completion, 17 TDs to just three interceptions, and 8.1 yards per attempt. You look at his yards per attempt when he first started playing, and it was like 4-5. And now it's 8.1 yards per attempt. And a lot of things have helped that. The offensive line is held up. He's got another weapon back there. They've been running the football very well. But this is what I'm talking about. 105 rating, 12.0 yards per completion, seven TDs to three interceptions. That's MVP numbers. That's MVP caliber. Uh, all right, now team defense versus the pass for the Titans. Let's see how they, uh, they work up against that. Uh, 104.1 rating uh, by wide receivers against them. So 
I don't know. Yeah, they ran the ball well this week. This team doesn't cover the pass that well. 104.1 rating uh, against wide receivers. T. Higgins lit them up last week with 114 yards. But I, so if you're, you're orchestrating a game plan, I guess you got to take that in consideration. Normally, it never matters to Jonathan Gannon or, or, or to uh, uh, like how you're going to play a team. He, they, they just go about their business and uh, they play the, the base defense. And I say, OK, this team doesn't run the ball well, so we'll do this. Or this team passes the ball well, we'll do this. Uh, you never know what you're going to get. Their team defense um, is pretty good, though. Uh, the Titans I'm talking about now, they get pressure on the quarterback. Three of uh, their uh, defensive players have average of 5.5 sacks. And Jeffrey Simmons, defensive tackle, beast, 6.5 sacks. Linebacker Rashad Weaver, which means, uh-oh, they, they probably blitzed a lot. He's got 5.5 sacks. Defensive end Demarcus Walker, 4.5 sacks. That's a lot of sacks for three guys. Now, last week, they gave about 20 points against the Bengals, but that was only the second time this season the Titans have given up more than 17 points. That's big. So will it be a defensive struggle? We'll see. Major factor in this game, and you can't, you can't hide it. I, I know last week they had away with it. Now uh, a rookie from Middle Tennessee State becomes a starter at safety. C.J. Gardner-Johnson out for several weeks with a lacerated kidney. I don't know how many weeks that'll be. I'm thinking it's at least a month that he's out. Can Reed Blankenship fill in? Major question. Made a couple good plays last week. Made a real bad play on an angle that resulted in a touchdown to Christian Watson. Uh, and, and it's another game without Dallas Goddard. The, the, the more these, these games go on without the tight end, their balance of their offense is a little skewed. Last week they had to run the ball to compensate for it. Um, Tennessee, much better defense. So we'll see the absence of Goddard in this game, how it plays into it. Um, the Eagles are a, a, a good team, but, but somehow I fear they could lose this game. I don't know why I fear it. The five point line, if you study five point lines, they're always shaky. Like five point lines tell you nothing. It's like in the wire where uh Stringer Bell said a 40 degree day, it's not worth anything. It doesn't mean anything. Six means something. Four means a little something. Five's kind of like in between. I don't know what to take with that line. So I'm worried about this game. Now, I'm not going to predict the Eagles are going to lose this game, but I wouldn't be shocked if they did. That This is one of the, the stumble losses along the way as they finish with a 15-2 and two or 14-3 and three record. Uh, let's bring in the voice in the wilderness, Darren. Uh, Darren, how are you feeling about this game? Uh, this is the game I told you early on I didn't like. Uh, the, the Titans are – they're one of those teams – my dog's barking in the background today, not yours. Um, so the Titans are one of those teams that are very consistent in what they do. Uh, they always have a strong front seven. They're well coached defensively with Mike Vrabel. They've got a running back who is really he's a he's tough to bring down. They got a good offensive line, and Ryan Tannehill's actually been played playing pretty good the last few weeks. I don't like the Eagles this week. Uh, they're not going to go fifth or sixteen and one or you know whatever you have. I thought there's a there's always a couple losses on the schedule, particularly when you got a seventeen game season. This is a tough week. I think the Titans come in here and win this game, and the Titans are in a position much more in a position than the Eagles are to, to need the game. That's the other thing you have to take into account here as we reach this part of the season, that final third part of the season, the team, the time where teams are going to push late November, December. 
This is the playoff push. It begins now. And the Titans are a team that need the game. Uh, they're tough as nails. And not that the Eagles aren't. It's just, uh, you know, like I said, they're not going to win every game. And that's okay. Uh, just, But the Titans are going to need this game a little bit more. And, and I just like the way they play. I'm a big fan of their coach. Yes, yeah, so there's a couple things I worry about in this game that, that, that I mentioned. Um, the Eagles can, can – um, um, game plan to stop the run they often don't though um you know the five-man front has been successful at stopping the run the defensive coordinator is stubborn and he likes to go with the four-man front and i think if they go five-man front to stop the run it's like a double whammy because then Tannehill, who's who's having a pretty good streak right now can sting him and that includes the reed blankenship equation he he's in there now so if you're game planning uh, to stop the run and you use five man front a lot, uh, that opens up some things. So I, I see I see a danger spot there. But we'll see what happens. I you know, well you know, look, blanket chip can play. He really can. He was a five year starter in college, and I know he didn't play for Alabama. He can play a little bit, Mike. We're talking about a strong. I'm talking about a safety position here. I know I can see you laughing. He can play a little bit. You don't need an all pro at safety. I, 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 I'm grimacing. You you need experienced players back. CJ Garner Johnson has been a really great addition, and and, and he's covered up. And the pro- the problem is Gardner Johnson has been so good that that's why there's such a drop. But Blankenship's not going to be terrible. Well, how do you know that he can play? I just think he's a smart player. I like five-year starters. I don't care what college they come out of. He played five-year starter at Middle, Middle Tennessee State. Five-year starter means he wasn't good enough to come into the league earlier. There's always different circumstances. What does that mean, five-year starter? What five-year starters are worth anything? Well, look, I, they're smart players. Experience means a lot in games like this, and he does have a lot of game experience. Experience at Middle Tennessee State has nothing to do with experience in the NFL. No, it doesn't, but it helps. Yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm – not, listen, maybe, maybe – It does, Mike. It really does. I, I just think the kid can play a little bit. I, he, he, hasn't, he didn't embarrass himself. Okay, the there's game. absolutely no way you can, you can tell he can play a little bit because he had one game where he came in. Against the Packers. There's no way you can sit there and say he can play a little bit. It's the position. He's athletic, and it's not a position that's a live or die. Okay. It's the, the reason that you and everyone else are so terrified is because Gardner Johnson was playing out of his mind. Here's the thing between older guys and younger guys like you. Like older guys with me never buy into something too quickly. Guys like you are ready to buy into stuff too quickly. You saw him make a couple plays against the Packers. All of a sudden, he could play a little bit. He also made a bad play against the Packers. This is the NFL, all right? You're not going to tell me, because he started five years in Middle Tennessee State, that he's going to come in and not skip a beat from where C.J. Garner was playing. I understand. I didn't say he was going to not skip a beat. I said he could play a little bit. I'm more concerned. You're talking about the veterans. I'm more concerned with Indominus Sue and Linval Joseph who have nothing left in the tank trying to stop Derrick Henry on Sunday. See, I'm trying. Listen, listen, bro. I'm trying to school you, right? I'm trying to school you not to overreact. Youngins overreact. Thank you for calling me young. (laughs) It's the Mike Nussanelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Oh, I think I won that argument on Reed Blankenship. But next on the Mike Nussanelli podcast. Oh, it's it's exciting to have our next guest. Uh, he used to be a regular guest uh, when I did a radio show way back in the day, and he covers the Eagles, uh, and he does it 
tremendously well for ESPN.com. He, of course, is the great Tim McManus joining us. Hello, Timmy. What's up, Mike? It's good to be talking with you. It's usually like a weekly and or daily thing with us. So uh, it's it's nice to be back with you, man. Yeah, it's good. I'm glad you can make it today. And uh, you know, we haven't talked in a while, and it's good to hear your voice. So let's let's get into this uh, unbelievable season so far as the Eagles are looking to go 11-1 and one, uh, in this game against the, the Titans. So, uh, you know, uh, last week they just ran over to Packers. Uh, and this week, it's a pretty simple thing that you look at. If, if you stop the run, and you hope uh, that, that Ryan Tannehill isn't playing as well as he has the last three games, and you got an easy win. How do you see this one this week? I think it's their their toughest matchup to date. I think that you know this is the kind of style of fight that's going to present a challenge for the Eagles. I mean, you got the the tough, physical Tennessee team that's not only good at at running the football, and we've seen over the past four weeks in particular. You know, the run defense has gotten gashed pretty good for the Eagles. They're, they're letting up over 130 yards per game. That ranks 23rd in the NFL. So that's not great. But also, you know, Tennessee can stop the run. And as we've seen, the Eagles have been leaning on the ground game even more so since Dallas Goddard went out with, a, with an injury. And so this is the type of fight, like, when you're looking at what can this team be? Like, you know, once it gets into the colder months, once it gets into playoff football, once you're going against, like, legit – legit teams uh, that can stop uh, where you're strongest at, like how do they respond? And so this is one that I'm most fascinated by that they've played yet. Yeah, you're right. They're, they're, they're pretty good defense, especially against the run uh, and against running backs. Uh, they can stop the run. Can they stop this quarterback who nobody seems to be able to stop? Well, I mean, uh, that will be the the major question. You know, their, their cornerback trio is young. So it's kind of like a, a budding group, but not perfectly proven yet. And you have A.J. Brown who's going to have a little something to prove, I would think, in this game, Mike. You know, I think they're going to be feeding feeding him early and often as he faces up against his, his old team. And Jalen Hurts has, has risen to the occasion. I mean, you know, the, the surprise of many is that the Eagles are in the position that they're in. And it's largely because, you know, their biggest question got answered. Like, can Jalen Hurts develop into a really good passer? Right now he's sitting there at like sixty-seven point six percent. You know he's he's notched it up six percentage points this year. Uh, he's been outstanding, and it's it's like no matter what the defense presents, if he has to take it over with his legs, he's done that, and he's proven he can do it with his arm too. So yeah, he's, it's like the, the the dual threat that nobody's been able to stop to this point. Yeah, you know, this, this is probably for me and, and covers sports as many years as I have in this town. The most non-expected result that uh, I maybe have seen in the history of Philadelphia sports where he went from question mark to MVP candidate in a matter of, uh, I don't know, six games. I, I, I was trying to think of an athlete who, who had that kind of impact progress wise to get to that level. And I can't think of one. You got anybody in mind when it comes to that? No, there's not a lot of comps, honestly. And like for, for quarterbacks, I think like the skepticism was was okay to have about him because you don't see that many quarterbacks develop that rapidly as passers. Like there's there's the example of Josh Allen, and then I kind of run out of examples after that, Mike. Like who else has taken such a such a big leap? Um, but one thing that you know, being around him, talking to people around him, kind of learning about him over the course of the last couple of years, the way that uh, quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson puts it is, is Hertz is highly, highly intelligent when it comes to football. And the way that he said it is that he sees the puzzle of 22 extremely well. 
One thing that I think that we underestimated was he had never been in the same system twice uh, in consecutive years, dating all the way back to when his dad was his coach in high school. And that ended up like, turns out that was a pretty big hindrance for him. Like once he was able to run the same plays over and over again against different looks defensively, he started solving it. Um, and, and now we're seeing the results of that. Like he, we know that he works like ridiculously hard. He doesn't have any hobbies. It's like, it's football and that's it. Um, and we know that he was working on his mechanics this off season, went down to Southern Cali and was, was working with a couple of gurus down there to get his mechanics right. And if you put that in combination with the fact that now he's seeing everything and knows where to go with the football on time, this is what we, this is the product. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like, there's hardly any other cases of this happening in such dramatic fashion. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. And, uh, you know, it's funny about this guy because his stoicism is almost strange. Like he's, he's so ultra serious that like sometimes I go, to, you know, I wish he would, you know, be a little like McNabb goofy, but then we hated that goofiness. So this is like the opposite extreme, right? Yep. And I talked to uh, actually, there, so I have a piece coming out next week on, the relationship between AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts, and that you know, I think that's been kind of a key to a lot of what's happening here. But but Brown shares that exact sentiment with you, Mike. He's like he's like he frustrates me. He makes me mad because I w- I tell him like just have fun. Uh, but like th- he explained it that even though he's stoic, like what he's sort of not hiding, but what's underneath that is like I guess just. He's he's trying to prove doubters wrong constantly, and the way that Brown described it is the sho- the chip on his shoulder is immense, uh, and he's always thinking of ways to kind of like you know get better in a way to sort of charge charge through all of that. And Hertz tells Brown, he goes, "I'm I'm happy when I'm winning," and if you think about it, that's like the only time you see him smile, right? Is when he's coming off the field victorious, and he and he pumps up the crowd as he's about to go through the tunnel. Like that's the only time you see that sort of joy. Uh, and it comes from winning football games, which I guess should be okay with this city. Right. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I, I love to see him like playing air guitar coming out of the tunnel <laughs> or going, go, going on the sidelines and picking up a phone. But since there's no more phones, he can't do that either. Right. So <laughs> I, I, I guess we'll have to take the seriousness. Yeah. I, I would love to talk. I got a future podcast. I'm trying to get McNabb on. Cause I, I want to like go through those dynamics with him. Uh, so, but that's, that's in the future. All right. Let's talk now a little bit about stopping the run because, you know, everybody that plays the Titans, that, that's got to be their game plan. The Eagles have been really consistent in an area where, where they use a five man front, they usually stop the run where they use four, they don't. And, and now you got Reed Blankenship playing for CJ Garner Johnson. How do you think that influences how Gannon approaches this game? Well, Jordan Davis is eligible to come off IR this week. If, if he's able to contribute and you have Linval Joseph and and Davis kind of there as the nose guard split and snaps, then that makes life easier. We've we've seen the the numbers when when Davis is on the field versus off, and it's, it's pretty dramatic in the way uh, that it, it changes for this team. But you're right. I mean, I think other teams see that too, Mike. Like when they're in four-man fronts, if they can get them stuck in four-man fronts, and you can do that by running tempo, uh, then I think that's so- – Part of what we're seeing is, is they know that they can exploit that. And you're right to mention, you know, the loss of C.J. Gardner-Johnson now. So you're getting vulnerable at some key areas. Like if I were to have been asked, like before the season, where can they least afford injury? It would have been safety and it would have been tight end. And those are the two spots where they've they've now been hit. And so this is, this is a spot where 
Uh, Tennessee, I think, is catching them at the at the right time because while Reed Blankenship came in and, and did a nice job, you know, he picks off Aaron Rodgers in his first real defensive action in his pro career. That's a that's a great thing for him to have in his cap. But you know, can he do it over a sustained period of time? What are the the gap responsibilities going to look like for this defense now that they have different pieces in place? Uh, but yeah, as, as much as they can get in those five man fronts and be using Joseph and Davis as the center, the better off they're going to be against this team. I mean, yet Gannon typically doesn't emphasize stopping the run as much as other D coordinators out there. Uh, but I think he's going to have to change his stripes a little bit to be successful in this game. All right. So my producer, Darren is a little younger and, uh, he's like uh, convinced, like he, he makes a mistake that a lot of, uh, sports talk radio callers do when they see a couple of good plays and then they round that off in the same, well, that kid's really can play, you know, and we've, I mean, we've seen that a million times with the Eagles, but in the NFL, it's consistency. It ain't a le- easy league for a kid to come in and be a starter at that position. Right. Right. Well, right. I mean, he's been, he was impressive all summer. Like he was, he was one of those guys during training camp where you had to keep writing his name down. You're like, is this guy really going to make the team? Like who's Reed Blankenship? Uh, but he, he kept making plays. There was, there was position, you know, availability there. That's just before CJ Gardner Johnson's like, all right, you know, maybe, maybe he, he will make the squad. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's different. Like, even though he had that pick against Rogers, there were other plays in that game where, you know, he was, you know, not uh, helping uh, a winning kind of product. So, so yeah, this is... Yeah, that long touchdown pass to Christian Watson would be one of those, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, so it's... <laughs> wow. <laughs> but here's the, here's the, here's the difference. I, I love guys that, like, react. And it's natural to do it. I'm just a little more cynical because I've been covering sports for 100 years. Uh, but it, it's like, uh, uh, oh, he got, Darren says to me, well, he was a five-year starter. At Middle Tennessee State, a five-year starter means what, Tim? It means you're not good enough to come into the league earlier than five years, right? It was a UDF, UDFA, <laughs> yes. UDFA. I, listen, I, I wish the kid no, no harm. I just, I'm, what I'm saying is, I just little need a little more body work before I can say he can play. Well, yeah, That's I mean, all. let's let's look at it this way: like Gardner Johnson is the league leader in interceptions. He's been outstanding for defense and really helped solidify that back end. What was the biggest question coming into this year before they made that trade? It was safety. It's why people didn't want to make the leap as to how good this team would be. It's because they looked at that that gap in the secondary and they're like, I don't know, man. I don't know how it's going to work. And now that's the reality, at least for the short term. I don't I don't think Gardner Johnson is going to be out for a long time. But, this, you know, the next couple games is, you know, that's that's a test for them. Uh, let me ask you about the offense now, because like, this is we haven't really talked about it much. But Dallas Goddard being out of the lineup against better teams and, and as they continue to play. I think uh, uh, it becomes more visible. And, you know, like last week, I think the compensation for not having that that tight end factor in there uh, was that Hertz had a run and and did what he needed to do. But uh, how much of a factor is Goddard not being there again for this game? Because they're trying to fill in with Stahl and they're trying to fill in with Calcaterra. And it's not it's just not the same. I think it's huge. I mean, the offense has changed. Like they, it looked like they were trying to get away from running Hertz a whole lot. He was getting like seven rushes, nine rushes, six rushes. And then it balloons up to like, you know, 16 and 18, uh, somewhere around there for the, the weeks that, that Goddard was out. And so you've seen a, a philosophical shift and that's to make up for the absence of Goddard, which has been really big for them and also kind of makes them um, 
more predictable in the way where Goddard's really good at run blocking. He's really good at pass catching. So he's out there. You don't really know. But if like you're trying to bring Calcaterra out there as an example or Tyree Jackson, you just kind of know what's coming. And so I think what the Eagles has done is they've gotten into more uh, three wide receiver sets. And that's really where they're going to have to operate, I think, from the time being. Just allow Stoll to mainly operate as a run blocker and have Quez Watkins be more active in your pass game. And he's, he's kind of risen to the occasion. He had the one fumble after the, the big catch when he tried to get up. But other than that, he's, he's had some big moments, including last week against the Packers. And I, I think that's it's going to have to be a passing game to a certain extent, I think, this week, Mike, because of how good the run defense is for Tennessee. So it's going to fall on Jalen Hurts. Like, here comes another test to see if he can do it, you know, through the air. Maybe not exclusively, but, but more predominantly so than we've seen recently. And I think that Watkins has to be a, a part of that recipe. Tim McManus, we're talking to him. He covers Eagles for ESPN.com. Tim, I, listen, I, I got to be honest with you. Um, I didn't see 10 and 1. I don't know how many people saw 10 and 1 at this stage. And it's been an influence. You know, there's been a lot of weak teams they've played. They've been better than, than almost any team. They're clearly, in my mind right now, the best team in the NFC, although you got the 49ers coming, you got Dallas lurking. Um, what did you see as the major reason of the growth that that enables them to be ten and one and in this spot being the best in the conference? So I think that the biggest questions of the off season that held people back from thinking this could be an exceptional team got answered. Uh, one of them is is Hurts. Like, can he take that that step up? And when you have a quarterback, as we know, this is a quarterback driven league when you have him playing in an MVP clip and being able to, to cross all of the hurdles that people didn't know whether he'd be able to cross, I mean, that's going to elevate everything. So they can do it multiple ways. If they, if they have to be in, a, in an air attack uh, in those type of like punch outs, then you can do it that way. If it's, if it's a grinded out game on the ground, they can do it that way. So that's one of the major reasons because they, they're so adaptable. They're so versatile uh, because of, of the quarterback. And I would say questions are getting answered about the coaching staff too, Mike. You know, there's there's a lot of questions about Jonathan Gannon. You know, they, he had a shaky first year. Like people are like, this guy's going to be a head coach. What's that all about? Uh, but I think that he's answered the bell, even though people are slow to come around on him. If you you look at the overall number and most importantly the overall record, I think he's done a pretty good job this year. And Sirianni, like even though the team rallied back in that first year, like you know Sirianni's showing his chops too. So it's like. You're picking off all those question marks, and so far there's been positive results to each of them. Uh, it's funny because I work with Seth Joyner on Eagles Plus game shows, and I, mm-hmm. to say he's not a fan of Jonathan Gannon is an understatement. <laughs> he can't stand <laughs> the fact that he plays this kind of defense that's not aggressive. But you know the way I look at and I look at their numbers, and, and their numbers play out pretty well defensively. So he's got to be doing something right. I, th- I think you lay it out perfectly because I, I think what's in Philly's DNA is that aggressive mindset. It's almost like if Gannon were to blitz 50 times, but you gave up 50 points, Philly would be all right with it. But, you know, but his is more of a passive. He's got two safeties back. He doesn't blitz all that often. He wants to keep the big play in front of them. And I think it drives like the, the fan base crazy a little bit. I know it does. I hear them. I listen to them. I talk to them. And, you know, there's a lot of Gannon hate relative to what he's actually doing on the field. But here's how he looks at it philosophically. He likes to keep the – he thinks that the two keys to winning, you know, just in, in totality is keeping the big plays off of you and getting takeaways. 
And if you look at them, you know, they're the number one team in the NFL in takeaways. They got 23 of them. Uh, so they're, they're doing that. They're, they're setting up the offense in good positions and they're, they're keeping it down. Some of the, you know, they're going to get yards racked up on you when you're playing with a lead most of your games. Uh, but I think overall, like he's, he still has his warts, but I think you have to give him some credit for what he's done this year. Yeah, I, I do. I'm going to give you an example of watching the game with Seth. So last week, uh, Jordan Love comes in the game. Now, now Seth is salivating. He goes, ah, the young quarterback, you got to blitz him. And it was a third down, and he stayed passive, and that was the play, I think, that, that he hit with, uh, Christian Watson for. <laughs> like, have you ever seen the movie Midnight Run? Uh, yeah, seen it. All right, so Midnight Run set a record, I think, for F-bombs being uttered in, in, in a movie. Seth Joyner, in five minutes, beat that record <laughs> just from that sequence. <laughs> Gets Jordan Love. All right. So don't don't tell Seth this then. The reason why that play went off is because Gannon got too aggressive on that play. I asked him about that play on Tuesday, and he said he's like, I got too aggressive. If you look back, they actually they sent seven, and they put it they put it in a put the backfield and the defensive backs in a position where there was way too much too much green for them to be chasing out. Yeah. So I don't think Seth saw that, but he was also, he, he was, I think he was so incensed with them not blitzing on first down against the kid that, that he just carried over to mindset. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, Tim, let, let's look now at what we have, because we're all trying to predict how this is going to end up uh, and, and, and what record they will have, whether they be a number one seed. Um, I don't know. How, how many possible losses are there? I know Dallas is licking their chops. I mean, that's probably going to be a loss. Uh, I don't know what else. If it's not this one, like where else? I mean, this one is is definitely possible. I could see it. Um, I think that, yeah, I agree. I think Cowboys is probably lost. And maybe one of the Giants games. So we call if three, you know, two to three more losses the, the rest of the way. Is, I think that's pretty fair, right? Yeah, I, 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 you know, I'm not even buying a Giants loss. I know a lot of people. Well, yeah, it's a division game. I, I can't see them. I, they're so much better than the Giants. More well rounded. If they get ahead, the Giants, you know, they're not a come from behind team. So I don't even know if I see that. I, I see maybe this, and I see maybe the Cowboys, and I see fourteen and three max. Yeah, well, I think this is kind of the the weather the storm portion of the season. I say that because of you know Goddard. He thinks he's going to be back around week fifteen. That'll be big for them. I actually talked to him. He's got a fracture uh, in that shoulder, one of the bones in the shoulder. He's got to wait for that to heal. But he thinks he's going to be back in week 15. Avante Maddox, you know, that's been kind of like a quiet uh, problem yeah. for them, the, the slot corner position. And now they're they're at, without Chauncey Gardner-Johnson for the next few games. So this is like weather the storm. They're probably not going to be looking quite as dynamic on the defensive side of the ball in particular over the next few weeks. Jonathan Gannon's going to be getting even more hate mail, I think, maybe for the next few weeks, Mike. But if they can weather this portion and get, you know, avoid any more major injuries and get those guys back in time for the stretch run, then they should be in good shape. And they're, you know, they're well-rounded and quality enough and the, the schedule is easy enough. I think it's a, the third easiest closing schedule in football, at least according to ESPN's metrics, uh, that they should be able to, you know, be in contention to get that number one seed, certainly. And then who the hell knows from there? He's Tim McManus. He's the best. He covers Eagles for ESPN.com. Tim, good to touch base with you. Appreciate it. Thanks for coming on. And, uh, you know, let's do this again. All right, Mike. Always my pleasure. Look forward to it. It's the Mike Missanelli Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. All righty. Thanks to Tim McManus, my buddy, for coming on the podcast. And, you know, um, he, he mentioned, uh, our mentioned Seth Joyner. We talked about him a little bit. So I, uh, before we get to what we're going to talk about next on the podcast, 
Uh, I have a very unusual gig tomorrow. Now, we're doing this on Thursday. So uh, if you're listening to it, we're doing it on Thursday. So so it's like tomorrow. That's Friday, December 2nd. I'll be doing a live show with Seth Joyner at the Philadelphia airport. Yeah, that's right. Right where the food court is. At the Terminal C, between B and C there, Seth and I will be doing a live show at the Philadelphia airport. A little sports show that we're rolling out tomorrow. So so there you go. If you're in the airport, if you're traveling for the weekend, stop by and see us do the show. We're going to be going back and forth. What do you think of that, Darren? Can you stream that anywhere, Mike? Can I see that? Or do I have to get on a plane tomorrow to come see you? I, I I really don't know. I, I should have the details on this. All I'm told to show up at the airport and, and get somehow get through the checkpoint. I don't even know how I'm going to do that. But uh, if you're at, well, I could use some warm weather, so I'm going to book a flight now. What time are you there tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Stop by the food court. The people that are getting, you know, it's funny because I don't know people are traveling, and and you know, I think maybe a lot of people know it, but it'll be a lot of out of town people trying to get to another city and maybe fill these stopover, and they're going to go, who the hell are these guys? But it's going to be a really interesting gig. I've had many interesting gigs. That's a, that's one that'll get in the top five. The most interesting gig I've ever had when was when I was working with Steve Fredericks back in the day. And Steve and I were hired to do a bar mitzvah. I know this story, but tell it. It's funny. That's right. Well, we, we, we were hired to be the entertainment at a bar mitzvah. We, I, I, and Steve got, Steve got the gig, and, and he says, listen. Uh, Steve got lots of those gigs. Yeah, he got lots of those gigs. He was on the, he was on the, uh, the synagogue tour for a while. I said, Steve, you, you, need, to get a, you need to get a T-shirt, like, like you know, you're Van Halen. You know, here's the, the concert, Steve Frederick's synagogue concert tour. But uh, but we, yeah, we were hired for the for a bar mitzvah. We did our show, and the people loved it. <laughs> that was crazy. There were crazy times with Steve L. Uh, all right. Also, since I'm doing that show tomorrow on Saturday, and I wanted to get this out there because I want to prime the pump for this. Saturday uh, is my first book signing, December third, Saturday at the Barnes and Noble in uh, Montgomeryville. I guess uh, that that's considered uh, what is that considered Montgomery something. Uh, um, uh, I don't know. Montgomery Square. Yes, Montgomery Square. It's off a of Knapp Road in North Wales, PA, in Montgomeryville area, Barnes & Noble. I'll be signing copies of my book, The Adventures of Shima the Sheba. I'll have Shima the dog with me. So she'll sign it as well. She got a little paw mark she puts on the book, and I'll be signing it. So if you're if you're out there, it's a good children's book for Christmas. You know, I, I, I'm really happy with it. I got a great illustrator named Alex Lee who illustrated it. And it's lessons for children it's, it's, as Shima's growing up. It's kind of like kids growing up. So I think they'll relate to the story. Uh, it's a great, you've just started learning. If your kid just started learning to read, they can, they can really read the book. Or if they're younger than that, the parents can read them. So I'll be signing books from 2 to 4 p.m. 2 to 4 p.m. Barnes & Noble, Montgomery Square in North Wales, PA. I hope to see everybody there. All right, uh, let's talk about soccer. You, you're not going to get much uh, soccer talk anywhere out through the Delaware Valley, but on the Mike Misnelli podcast, I'm going to I'm going to give you a, an analytical view of the U.S. versus the Netherlands. Little scouting report. You're not going to get that anywhere else. World Cup soccer action as, as the the Americans thrillingly get to the next round after beating Iran in a grudge match, and now they're up against. They call them the the orange because they wear all orange. The Netherlands, a very traditionally strong soccer program, and uh, they're they're a, a top ten betting choice in, in the World Cup. 
uh, and they're better th- than the, the U.S. soccer team, I think. But I think the U.S. team thinks they have a chance to win this. It all depends on Christian Pulisic, whether he gets out of the hospital. Is he going to pull like a Roy Hobbs? He's going to get out of the maternity world be- uh, uh, ward bed and, and play soccer? I mean, I don't know how it's going to work out for the Americans. But but if he plays, they've got they've got a big shot. All right, so let's let's just do a little analysis here of uh, the orange, Darren. Uh, as I've been digging into my uh, my my soccer knowledge, uh, let's see what we got here. Um, the Larange. <laughs> Let me see. Where's my scouting report? I seem to have lost my scouting report. <laughs> What's going on? Oh no, here it is. All right, here we go. All right, uh, the Netherlands. Uh, watch out for a guy named Cody Gakpa. Cody Gakpa. He's got a goal in each one of the Netherlands games in the World Cup so far. So they're going to have to, as they as they say, mark him closely in the box. All right? Uh, they have a good midfielder. In fact, a midfielder and a center back both play in the English Premier League. The midfielder is Frankie de Jong, and he plays for Barcelona. Uh, he's a playmaker, and he's got two goals in addition to making the plays there in that midfield spot. Uh, and the center back, uh, I, I have no idea where the center back is, but it must be an important position because uh, the man's name is Virgil uh, Virgil uh, Von Dick, Virgil Von Dick, or D I J K. I guess that's pronounced Dick. I don't know, Dijik or whatever. I think it's Jeek. Jeek. Go ahead, Virgil Von Jeek, uh, and uh, he is uh, a pretty uh, effective player for them. He plays for Liverpool in the English Premier League. So that, that's no joke. These guys uh, are very experienced players. Um, but but here's the thing about the Netherlands. They haven't been as dominant as they have been in the past. They haven't been great in the World Cup. They've been kind of skating by. They beat Senegal 2-0, but you know I think uh, uh, maybe Cherokee can beat Senegal uh, 2-0. <laughs> Uh, and they couldn't score in that game, though, against Senegal until the 80. 80- Cherokee Group 4 champions in South Jer- in, in New Jersey. There they, well, there you go. Uh, and so they'd be a good match for Senegal. But the Netherlands didn't score in that game against Senegal until the 84th minute. So Senegal took them down, them down the map a little bit. And then they had a 1-1 tie with Ecuador. Uh, by the way, Ecuador is where my one of my favorite callers from the radio show back in the day, Vicente, is from Ecuador. Um, so... Um, the U.S. team is a really tight D. You know, they, they don't score a lot, but they hold teams down. And, and so we'll see how this plays out. Uh, I'm thinking that a good bet in this game. It's hard to, for me to sit there and take the Netherlands because then you're, you're rooting. You have a nationalistic rooting interest and you're rooting against your bet if you bet the Netherlands, even though that probably is the side to bet. But here's an interesting little bet before we get to our bets of the week. A tie which I think is very possible, like a 0-0 tie, I think is very possible. And it's plus 230 on the money line if you bet a tie. Oh, that's a good bet. If the U.S. team could get like a 0-0 or a 1-1 tie, that's not a bad situation, and, and you can win some money. So I, I would highly advise you to look closely at betting a tie in that game, and this way you're not rooting against the American teams. You're just saying the tie, and that helps them anyway. All right. This is a knockout stage, right? So if it ends in a tie, it's going to go to overtime. Is that at the end of overtime? Are there because then there'll be penalty kicks? Yeah, yeah. Like this is this is not you know 
accumulate points like the group round. This is a knockout round. You got to win and move on. Well, I I think a tie is possible, or it wouldn't be on the board. I I, I guess, but I don't know. Is that at the end? I'm asking you. Do you know if it's at the end of regulation, the end of overtime? I, I would think the tie at the end is what you bet. I'm not really sure on that, but since a tie is a bet you can bet, there is a possibility of some kind of a tie. Uh, all right, so there you go. Soccer analysis. You're not going to get anywhere else. Any radio show, any podcast right here on the Mike Masinelli Show. Netherlands, U.S. analysis on the World Cup game. Saturday, 10 a.m., by the way. Uh, Okay. Let's get to our picks of the week. Uh, And by the way, uh, as I've said many times, download the Bet Rivers app. It's a fantastic app. You have it right on your phone. You can go to it at any time. You can make live bets. You can make bets in the future. You can make bets on the World Cup. On any sport you want, you can make a bet. In fact, I've made all my bets already this week just because I have that Bet Rivers app, and it's it's tremendously uh, convenient. Uh, Okay. Uh, My picks of the week. I I was 2-1 and last week, so I'm now 24-20. and That's pretty good, all right? 24-20. and I had wins in college with Texas and Tulane, and I predicted, if you listened to my last podcast last Thursday, I predicted Tulane outright over Cincinnati, and the Green Wave pulled it off. So I'll take those two winners. I lost on the Patriots. I may come back with the Patriots this week, though. Okay. Here are the picks of the week for me. And I've got three selections, but I'm going to give you a couple also that you should look closely at. But these three I hardly endorse. I'm going to stay with college. Now, Michigan, with the monster game of the of their whole uh, Jim Harbaugh era last week as they crushed Ohio State. Now, I know a little something about college kids. When they have a game like that and they celebrate and they got the champagne flowing and they got the co-eds, you know, hovering around them, they start what John Chaney used to call smelling themselves. And they go into their next game, not possibly, can't possibly get any higher than they were the week before. And they usually slog along until in the end they win. Purdue this week. Purdue gets 16 and a half points. I'm going to take the Boilermakers to cover the 16 and a half in a serious letdown game for Michigan. Michigan can't afford to lose, believe me, and they won't lose. But I don't think they're going to they're going to smash Purdue because they can't possibly up be up to that level again. I think Purdue stays close. Michigan wins by about 10. But I'm going to take Purdue. All right, in uh, pro, the Steelers. All of a sudden the Steelers are a little viable and they go into Atlanta which is not playing bad football at all, the Steelers are actually a favorite in Atlanta. The Steelers are minus one uh, at Atlanta. I'm going to take the Steel men to cover that and win the game by uh, at least two. All right? And I'm going to come back with the Patriots. Patriots, they were minus six against the Bills. The Bills are losing cred. That line has now shrunk to three and a half. I'm going to take the Patriots and maybe an outright winner for New England. So those are my three selections. I'll take Purdue getting the 16 and a half. I'll take the Steelers minus one. I'll take the Patriots uh, plus three and a half. All right. There you go. It was a plus six. Uh, Here's the other two games you want to look at. Boy, I tell you what, there's a couple precarious people in that top four in college football. One's TCU, one's other USC. 
And if, if you look at it, you go, both those teams cannot afford to lose. And then I look at the line, I go, uh-oh. Kansas State is at TCU. TCU's got everything to play for. Kansas State really doesn't. Kansas State is only a two-and-a-half-point favorite. Okay. Two-and-a-half's light. I mean, that's begging me for to take it. Look at that game. TCU is a favorite by my uh, by two and a half. It's it's TCU minus two and a half. Very light line, and I'm smelling maybe a Kansas State upset outright in that. So look closely at that game. Here's the other one: the Pac-12 championship game. Utah is still. It started out as USC minus one. I looked at that line. What? It's up to 2.5, but that's still cheap. USC in another must-win situation. I think Utah can, can win it outright. In fact, the ESPN model, which I looked at, gives Utah a 63% chance to win the game. There's something funny about this game. Utah and Kansas State could upset USC and TCU which would throw the whole thing out of whack. It means Ohio State gets back in the top four, and it probably means that Alabama gets in the top four. So just watch those games closely. All right. It is now time for Mike Unleashed. We do this in every Mike Misnelli podcast where I just go off on something that catches my attention. And what caught my attention was that the, the head of the Oath Keepers, I don't even want to put his name out there because it's really not important. Uh, the head of the Oath Keepers was convicted of seditious conspiracy for his role in the January 6th insurrection uh, to overthrow the government. He uh, is re- will receive a maximum sentence of 60 years uh, where um, when he gets out, he'll be he'll be deader than a two dollar steak. So uh, so my man's going away for for a really long time. And my hope here is that he shares the cell with Steve Bannon. And and Steve Bannon uh, gets the top bunk, and, and because he's like seven hundred pounds, the bed the bunk bed collapses and falls on this oath keepers guy, and and they both go to the infirmary for a long time. But that's just wishful thinking. Um, this oath keepers guy, you should know, wears a patch, eye patch. It's not a fashion statement. Apparently, this guy shot himself in the eye, his own uh, with his own gun, shot shot himself in the eye. So. Uh, uh, there you go. That's that's number one on Mike Unleashed for today. Um, number two, this is a really interesting news item here. Jalen Kitna. Jalen Kitna is a quarterback at the University of Florida. He also is the son of former NFL quarterback John Kitna. If you remember, John Kitna played a lot of years for Detroit Lions. You saw him on Thanksgiving, a lot of Thanksgiving Day games. Um. This redshirt quarterback, Jalen Kitna, was arrested on two counts of distribution of child exploitation and three counts of child pornography. Now, the rub here is that John Kitna was one of the most devout religious men in the NFL. Remember anything about John Kitna's career? He's a devout Christian. He was actually reprimanded by the NFL for being too devout and overly religious. He actually got fined once for wearing a hat that had a cross on it. And uh, he's one of those guys that always tried to influence his teammates for Christ. He would get down on one knee to pray after practice. And here his kid 
gets arrested on two counts of distribution of child exploitation and three counts of child pornography. I, I don't know what that what that that means, and you can draw your own conclusions from that. Uh, but I assume no, I don't. I don't even want to go there. But there's been examples of overly religious families where the kid rebels, and maybe that's an example of that. But that's kind of a sad, sickening story uh, there. That Jalen Kidna, uh, and I assume he'll be dismissed from the team. Uh, so there we go. That's Mike Unleashed for today. That's short. He has been dismissed from the team, Mike, by the way. From the Gators, yes. All right, so there you go. That's Mike Unleashed for today. Uh, let's go now with three questions for Mike, presented by producer Darren. What do you got, Darren? Three questions for Mike. I always love this segment. It's fun to come up with. Uh, you and I argue about music all the time. You love your grunge 90s, that stuff that I actually grew up around, and I'm a classic rock guy. Yeah, and I'm a, an alternative rock. And I, and I love my all. Yeah, I, I've loved all eras of music through the years. I change my tastes. Okay. I never, I have never wavered from classic rock. Yeah. Uh, and I'm Which a, means you've never grown. <laughs> Your musical taste had never grown. Perhaps. Basically. Perhaps. Okay. So uh, I'm a big Fleetwood Mac guy, but heavy heart this week. Christy McVie passed away, 79 years old. Fleetwood Mac, to me, is one of those timeless bands that uh, they've got a ton of albums. They started out as a blues band, um, you know, the, a lot of popular songs over the years. Unfortunately, a lot of it is commercialized. You know, the Chevy commercial that's on every commercial break now that drives me nuts. Um, do you, with Christy McVie passing away, Mike, do you have a song? I know you're not a big Fleetwood Mac guy. Is there a Fleetwood Mac song that comes to mind that when it's on, you go, that's the song I did? You know, uh, it, it's funny because I, I absolutely have no reaction to Fleetwood Mac whatsoever. <laughs> I, I, I have no reaction. I, 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 it's not like I, I dislike them. I don't like them. They, I'm you know, never a Fleetwood Mac fan at all. Never had any of their albums. So uh, I'm not a fan. However, I can recall some of their good songs. So I, I would go, uh, you know, if I'm going to go with a Fleetwood Mac song, it's a sweet song. I'll go Landslide, right? And I'll go Gypsy. And I'll go Gypsy. That's a great song. They're, they have a great version of it. A lot of people have covered that song. They have a great version of it. Um, it's one of those songs that, uh, you know, it, it, I know my wife loves that song, too. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that. Gypsy. But let me tell you what song I hate, all right? And it's a popular song of theirs. You can go your own way, go your own way. And, 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 and that's probably why I'm not a Fleetwood Mac fan, because that, come on, come on with that. Uh, uh, and and I, you know what, I'll throw, a, I'll throw a bone to this song, because it, it actually, part of the recording of this song included the USC marching band. Tusk. Dun, 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 with the band playing about that. Okay, good song. All right, so there you go. Good song. But for me, number one all time will be uh, a track called Bleed to Love Her. It means yeah, a lot to yeah. me. It means a lot to me about my wife and my daughter. It's a very personal song to me. Um, now, question number two. Mike, this is the first cold, blustery day of the year. It's the day of the year, uh, at least in this area of the world. It's the day of the year every year that I think to myself, I got to get the hell out of the Northeast. <laughs> I hate the cold. If you could live anywhere in the world for the rest of your life, where would it be? Uh, Costa Rica. <laughs> That's where I'm going. Costa Rica? Are you going to Costa Rica? Yes. Have you been there? Okay. I've been, been I know. There? I've never been, but I heard great things about it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's warm there. 
<laughs> That's all I needed to know. I thought for sure you would have said Tuscany or Sicily or, or Malfi Coast. No, you know, listen, I, 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 don't want, I, I don't know if I want to live uh, like that far away. I mean, I, I, Tuscany is a nice place to visit. Italy, the homeland, is a nice place to visit. But, you know, I'd have to learn so much about the culture and speaking the language to get along. I, I would like to go more simple. Like Costa Rica to me is simpler. Uh, uh, I could live at Ke- in Kiowa Island, you know, like, like you know, not, not nothing too exotic, but m- removed enough. That's where I, I, I could go. Yeah, you got to take family and friends into account. You don't want to be too far, and that's a good point. Right. You mentioned where I would go. It, it, we've talked about this place, uh, Kiowa Island, off the coast of South Carolina. I yeah, want to live. Love it. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Great. Um, okay. okay. Question number three. Um, it's holiday time. I'm going to try and get a Christmas question in every week if I can. Mike, we've already established you're a dark-hearted person because your favorite Christmas movie is The Deer Hunter. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not my favorite Christmas movie. That's one of my <laughs> favorite movies. Uh, I said I didn't have a favorite Christmas movie. My favorite Christmas movie was Elf. Uh, Elf, yes, I know. So here we okay. go. Real tree or fake tree for Mikey Viz? Oh, see, now this this hits me deep okay and this is a, a story that i think may will make people weep oh. uh, i was the product of a fake tree growing up which meant my father was very frugal and he couldn't understand the concept of buying something that you would throw away in a couple of weeks so he was always maximizing and so he first started out with the ghastly aluminum tree oh. with the stiff branches and we had that for years. Now, the story gets better because with that tree, if you remember those old trees, they came or one of the accompaniments was a color wheel. And it, it revolved, the wheel revolved, and it, it shot red, blue, yellow, and green lights on the tree in a revolving manner. Well, that, was, that cost money. So my father rigged up, uh, he rigged up a fake uh, color thing. And this is what he did. He got a shoebox, two shoeboxes. He put light bulb fixtures in both the shoeboxes, and he covered the shoeboxes with a red cellophane. And so when he plugged in the light bulb, it, sh- it, it shone red on the aluminum tree. That's not bad. I mean, that's a total fire hazard, but it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> then he graduated to the fake green tree. So uh, uh, I've been uh, so traumatized by the fake tree that I made up my mind that when I became an adult, I would have to make enough money to at least be able to buy a real tree. So, so I'm a real treesman. All right. There you right. Go. I, my wife's trying to talk me into getting a fake tree, uh, which we have in a, a second tree, which is a fake tree. But as long as my kids are in this house, it's a real tree. And that's for good sure. for you. Hold your ground. You know, those Italian broads, they grew up the same way. You know, so they try to save the, the pennies. Exactly. All right. My wife saves the money. I, I try and spend it. It's pretty much the dynamic of the last 20 years. All right. That's three questions with Mike. All right. That's three questions with Mike. And uh, it's about time to, to, to close it down. All right. So let, let me just tell you what's going on. So tomorrow I'm doing a show with Seth Joyner, Friday, December 2nd at the airport. Um, December 3rd from 2 to 4, I'll be signing copies of my book with my dog. The Adventures of Shima the Sheba at the Barnes and Noble, Montgomery Square, North Wales, PA, from 2 to 4 p.m. I hope to meet everybody there. Um, 
I got the winery thing going. Last week, I want to thank the people who came out to our event at the winery. I'm the part owner of Natalie Winery, Natalie Vineyards in Cape May Courthouse, New Jersey. It's a lovely setting for people to come in and enjoy a bottle of wine, a glass of wine, uh, especially in the off season where it's not too busy. You come, we, have, we have food. We have food trucks that come. We have events. We have live music. It's a really cool spot. And you can buy your wines for a Christmas holiday to give away. Let me recommend a blend called a Nana Cellar. It's a nice red blend, a great drinking wine. It could go with anything, even if you just want to have a glass of wine. Uh, so uh, that's off of uh, North Route 47, Delcy Drive in Cape May Courthouse, uh, the winery. So uh, I'd love to see you there when we got them there a lot. So uh, hopefully we can hook up and have a glass of wine together. I'm also doing this thing called Ask Mike on Cameo. Uh, I've been uh, a member of Cameo for a while where you, I can actually give you a shout out. You just go to Cameo. You put my name in there. I give personalized uh, shout outs to people. Uh, but we're also doing this Ask Mike thing where we're going to assemble uh, some people who want to talk about the, the children's book. So uh, look for that. Ask Mike on, on Cameo. And uh, you can uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Mike Miss 25. So many ways to get in touch with me now. Mike Miss 25 on Twitter. That's Mike M I K E M I S S 25 on Twitter. You can email me. I love to hear from people. I love to get emails. And uh, we'll read some of the emails on. We're still looking for a fan to, to come on the podcast. You can email me Mike at MikeMiss.com. And that's my website, which is MikeMiss.com, where you can see all the stuff that I'm up to right on our website, MikeMiss.com. Also, uh, you can subscribe uh, to the Mike Miss YouTube channel. I got my own YouTube channel. I give personalized announcements on what I'm up to, including uh, the announcement for the book where I, I had my dog live on, on the Mike uh, Miss uh, YouTube channel. You can check that out. And, of course, after every Eagles game, I do a show, uh, Eagles postgame show with Seth Joyner, Derek Gunn, Devin Caney. Uh, it's on 6abc.com. It's also on the Jacob Media, J-A-K-I-B, uh, sports YouTube channel. You can check that out. And you, when you subscribe to that, we'll give you an alert. And the alert will come right to your phone as soon as we're on the air, right after the game. And, of course, you can stream that show uh, uh, as well. And don't forget, you learn that, uh, download that Bat Rivers app and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast. When you subscribe, it's free, but, but you'll get alerted right away when the podcast is released. And this podcast will be released uh, um, uh, we release it after we do it like a couple hours later on the same day. So look for it. Uh, is that it? I think that's it. Anything else, Darren? Uh, just a reminder that, uh, I don't know many book signings where there will be a, a cute dog with the author. So that's, you know, you got little kids get out there and get a book. The dog is the star. Uh, you know, I'm merely like, you know, the, the, the subordinate to the dog. The dog is the star. Yeah, she. You know, it's it's not a book about me. It's a book about the dog. So it's only right to have the dog there to to you know absorb the accolades on, on her adventures. And uh, like I say, uh, the, she'll put a paw print uh, to sign the to sign these books. So we'll look forward to everybody there again. It's two to four. It's uh, at uh, Montgomery Square, Barnes and Noble, and you can get the book BarnesandNoble.com, Amazon.com, wherever books are sold. You can get it online. It's very easy. Uh, just uh, just type in my name or type in the adventures of Shima the Sheba. Everybody have a great. I'm big on books as a Christmas yeah, it, gift too. But book, Christmas gifts, uh, books are it, good, a real a, good. That's gift. a great gift. And also a case of wine from Natalie Winery is a great gift to send somebody. So just go to Natalie Winery, N-A-T-A-L-I winery.com. Or you can go to my uh, website. I have a list of all the great wines that we have 
uh, and you get and some specials coming up here as we get into the holiday season. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. We really appreciate it. We'll see how the Eagles do on Sunday. I'm a little scared, but uh, we'll conquer that uh, hill when we get to it, and we'll talk about it Monday. Uh, have a great uh, rest of the night. I'll see you, everybody. I'm Mike Miss. I'm out. Thanks for listening to the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.